听 Grandeur YYFM. You're listening to YYFM. It's time for tales around the teapot, just for you. Force Company, Part Two. Part One broadcast last Wednesday. Written and narrated by Diana Parsons. We continue to meet companionably the four of us, Penny, Marcus, Rodri, and myself, Sarah, round one another's houses, talking about our chosen hobbies and life in general. Until our fifteenth year. There's no warning. It's as if a gate into an amazing meadow of adventure is thrust open, and permission given to run abandoned across its lush and verdant pasture. First love, some call it. Marcus and I start looking at one another differently. We meet up on our own without the others. We don't really understand what is happening, but it's too good to miss. So we keep on doing it. We don't tell Penny, definitely not Penny, or Rodri. They might not understand. And Marcus is totally unaware of Penny's feelings for him. And I don't betray her confidence. And so the canopy over the closely knit bond between the four of us slips a bit more. Nothing planned. It just happens. And along we meander for the next few years. Marcus and I madly in love and managing just to keep it under wraps. Rodri preparing for a future specialising in the study of philately, developing a jaw-dropping catalogue of sought-after stamps on the way. Penny dancing her heart out and her feet off with the love of her life. Who doesn't know that's who he is? Then, one wet evening, there's another shift. As we sit under the shelter of the ancient oak in the village car park, waiting for the dancing duo to join us, Rodri blurts out that he loves Penny. He is beside himself because he is convinced Marcus is in love with her too. I am totally dumbfounded and wish I wasn't hearing this. A numb feeling creeps over me and nausea rises in the pit of my stomach. Things are getting complicated. Marcus and I are going to have to come clean, especially now that Rodri fancies Penny and Penny doesn't know anything about it. And everything at that moment grinds to a halt, as though the pause button has been pressed. I try to connect some words in response to Rodri's confession, but nothing will come. My tongue is stuck to the roof of my mouth like glue, and it's all I can do to stop myself from heaving and throwing up. The headlights of a car swing around and catch us in their spotlight, frozen, staring like two terrified animals. Come on! yells Penny through the open window. Sorry we're late. Extra steps for our last number for the competition. 
we both run from the protection of the tree, under which another subtle shift in the canopy of our friendship has taken place. The cold onslaught of the beating rain shocks me back to life. Tonight, we are supposed to be celebrating my 17th birthday with a meal together. Some birthday this is turning out to be. How am I going to get through it? Soaked through on autopilot, Roger and I climb into the back of the tiny red Fiat, folding our long legs into neat pleats like concertinas, trying our hardest to avoid any contact with one another. This only serves to compound the suffocating claustrophobia that seems to be closing in on us both. As I buck on my seatbelt, Marcus throws me a naughty wink in the rearview mirror. He knows my knees will usually buckle at this message of intimacy. But tonight, he raises an eyebrow in question at the stony, unsmiling response he finds reflecting back at him. I rearrange my features into a grimace to convey that all is not well. He shrugs his shoulders nonchalantly, slamming his foot onto the accelerator and catapulting us onto the slick, shiny dual carriageway. Penny shrieks loudly and eggs him on. Go, Marcus! Closing my eyes momentarily to blank out the nightmare scenario I am visualising in my head, I force myself to inhabit another world, opening my eyes just in time to see the brick wall of the railway bridge hurtling towards us. My whole body tenses. I open my mouth to scream, but nothing comes out. A resounding bang, followed by a deafening silence. Rodri and I are hurled together. We find ourselves gripping one another tightly for a few seconds, forgetting our new awkwardness. Frantically, we urge each other to release the seatbelts, gabbling instructions to Marcus and Penny. There's no response, so we just keep on jabbering as we manoeuvre our way through the mangle of metal that was once Marcus's pride and joy. Our driver has managed to open his door and roll onto the wet tarmac. He's fiddling in his pocket, frantically trying to find something. We just stare at him, immobile, rooted to the spot. He's not making a lot of sense as he garbles our location to the emergency services. Clinging on helplessly to one another, we wait hopefully for the ambulance and the fire engine to cut Penny free. We try to comfort her, but she can't seem to hear us, and she hasn't moved since the impact. After my non-versity, the days toil laboriously on, with Marcus sitting constantly by Penny's hospital bed, Overwhelmed with the guilt of her injuries. It's bad. He doesn't eat. He doesn't sleep. Rodri and I visit, but Marcus and I don't meet up on our own. How can we? It wouldn't seem right. After three anxious weeks, she regains consciousness 
it's surreal. Rodri is with us to hear her very first words of an undying love for Marcus. Holding her hands tightly, he responds, and a beautific smile appears. Her blue-veined lids close, and she drifts off again. The three of us are left in a state of shock retiring swiftly to the stiflingly hot coffee shop run by far too many cheery volunteers. Clutching cups of indistinguishable liquid, we are reeling from the emotion of Penny's sudden return to us and the response Marcus has given her. We can't look at one another and we don't speak as we slump down onto flimsy springy chairs round a filthy coffee-stained table. Marcus is ashen and sobbing. I am horror-stricken at Marcus's response to Penny's declaration of undying love. Rodri, well, dear Rodri is plaintively staring at the ceiling as if he will find some explanation for the confusion up there. Meanwhile, anger rising threateningly inside me. I am desperately trying to stop myself tearing the gentle smiles from the sympathetic faces of the rubberneckers on adjoining tables. I give them a glare. I am the only one who knows what's happening. I am in love with Marcus and he with me. But he has just scuppered it all. Rodri loves Penny and now thinks he was right all along about Marcus loving her as well. Penny is blissfully oblivious to all this and thinks the love of my life loves her. What a shambles. Marcus regains a semblance of control and with a loud grating sound shifts his chair closer to mine. The noise jolts me out of my reverie. What is he doing? Tears are still coursing down his sallow cheeks and now he's looking right into my face, stroking my freezing cold fingers, attempting to raise them to his lips to kiss as he begs for my forgiveness. I'm trying to fight him off to remind him we don't do this in front of people, especially Rodri, but to no avail. I hear him whisper, it must be relief or something like that after the long wait for a sign of life. It just caught me completely off guard. No sleep, such a strain. Of course I told her I loved her and always would. She's paralysed and it's all my fault. What else could I do? What are we going to do now, Sarah? Rodri has stopped his scrutiny of the ceiling for answers and watches as this little scene plays out in front of him. A sudden clarity appears in his expression. He nods his head like the sage he is. Snatching my hand guiltily from Marcus's stroking caress, I throw him a warning look. He gets a message at last, but not before Rodri has come to his own conclusion. We turn together to join Rodri into our conversation, 
resealing the gap that has come so close to opening wide to threaten the protective canopy over our relationship. We all know that the show will go on. Penny and Marcus will never dance again together. But it is finally worked out between the three of us round that disgusting table that Marcus and she will be partnered for life. Marcus and I and Rodri are committed to the four of us continuing to dance to the rhythm of our friendship. We have protected one another for so long now. Too long, some would say. It is a habit that won't be broken. It is set in stone. And today, Marcus and Penny are married. I become aware that the cacophony of jackdaw chatter around me is dying down, alerting us all in the church to the bridal party, now framed in the vestry doorway, poised for their return journey back down the aisle. As Penny and Marcus step awkwardly forward, Whitney Houston belts out her rousing rendition of I will always love you. My heart is surely going to burst and my solemn eyes fill with unshed tears. But I know, I know I will always love him and he knows he will always love me. They were our parting words to each other only last night. Marcus, the beau he is and always will be, scoops Penny up into his arms to facilitate her passage down the aisle. As they pass, he winks our wink and flashes our smile. I hold my scarlet back tight and unwaveringly I return. Our smile. Our matching secret breathes deep inside us and will never die. Deal Cambrando in YYFM. And for your news, fell him in the linear lane. Akiara new bod beth of a hiku wednesday. Elchi, it's yyfm.com. Thanks for listening to YYFM. For more content like this, to follow us online, and to tell us what you want to hear more of, visit it'syyfm.com. <laughs>